0: Well, we come now to the first day of this new year in the last part of the Christmas story. The visit of the wise men did not really occur on the night Jesus was born. But it has long been associated with the nativity story so much that three wise men show up in most nativity sets and even in Christmas pageants. Even if the timing is off, the message of following a light to find, and heaven's light is perfect for Christmas because there's no clearer picture of what it means to follow the light than that of the Magi's journey. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2 as we look once more at this very familiar story and conclude our series on heaven's light. Matthew 2, and if you're able and willing, would you stand with me and let's honor God's Word and, and uh, look at this together. the Jewish Messiah, was to be born. So they said to him, "'In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, "'But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, "'are not the least among the rulers of Judah, "'for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel.'" They saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the blessing of the beautiful Christmas story and this story we read today. These men were real men. The story was real. They came and found Jesus and they gave treasures to Him. They worshipped Him. And Father, today we worship You. Lord, I was just being stirred. I was, the Holy Spirit was moving in my life as we sang those songs about the cross, Lord. About how much we need You. Lord Jesus, You gave everything for us. It's a small thing to ask that we would give You our time, talents, and treasures. God, I pray today that this would be the year that... You would move in our hearts so much that we would be lights to the world. That would be the message that we want to hear today. The Holy Spirit, I pray the Holy Spirit would revive this people, revive me, revive this church. God, I pray all around this this world, Christians would just be shining brighter than ever before because the day's darker than ever before. And Father, we love you today and we want to honor you. I pray that this message would not only reach us in this building, but God, that it would reach many miles from here, Lord, and touch someone's heart. That someone who is is wandering in darkness would see the light and would be gloriously saved. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Heaven's light. Now, the story of the wise men is the story of a journey, a faith journey. Travel was very difficult in those days. And yet the Magi, the wise men, understood, undertook a journey of almost 1,000 miles to bring gifts and pay homage to a little boy in Bethlehem. Isn't that amazing? That means that they would have traveled nearly five months across the desert on camelback and foot to find heaven's light. Folks, that's commitment. Let me interject something here. We're living in a day when people will not get in their cars and drive 10 or 15 minutes to go to worship Jesus with a church family. And yet these men traveled nearly 1,000 miles because they had faith in a light which was guiding them. They went through an arduous journey to worship Jesus. Just how much would you be willing to give for the privilege of worshiping Jesus? Just what would you do? How much inconvenience would you suffer for the opportunity to come into the presence of the Lord and worship the King of Kings? Only you can answer that question. Someone might say, well, Pastor, I don't need to come to a church building. I don't need to worship at a church building. I can worship right here in my bed with my in my recliner with my slippers on and my cup of coffee. And, my, and certainly, you can do that. You can. All I'm saying is that these wise men went to great expense to worship Jesus. It cost them a lot of time, effort, and money. To make this long journey, and I just wonder how we could even think we can worship Jesus and it cost us nothing. It's just something to think about. Back to the story verses 1 and 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now from these verses we learn some things. First that the Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. Second, it was after the birth of Jesus. And third, it was during the reign of Herod the Great. Let's start with Herod. Herod the Great was was the appointed ruler in Judea in 37 B.C. He was only half Jew. But he professed his belief in Judaism and he knew something of the Old Testament Scriptures. He was called Herod the Great because he built a great infrastructure on the backs of the Jewish people. He renovated the Jerusalem Temple into a magnificent structure. But as he grew older... Herod became more and more paranoid. He had his sons, wives, and others close to him executed because he feared plots to overthrow him. When he heard that a new Messiah had been born, Herod sought to murder him as well. Herod the Great died in 4 BC. So the visit of the Magi probably occurred in 2 BC when Jesus was about 2 years old. Now, the Magi were, were not kings, and he could have even been four years old. The Magi were not kings, but a combination of astronomers and astrologers. They were stargazers, believing the stars signaled certain events in history. The latest event was the birth of the Jewish Messiah. Now, obviously, they, these wise men knew something of the Old Testament scriptures, which prophesied of Messiah's coming. Perhaps they had read Isaiah's prophecy. We learned that the Messiah who was to come would be the Son of God. He would be God in the flesh and that He would rule and reign. He would be a king in the line of David. So the Magi, having read this, they would understand that as they were searching, following the star, it was leading them to a king in David's line. They called him the King of the Jews. The the wise men understood that the Messiah would rule in the line of his ancestor, King David, and Herod was not in David's family line. So, they came to Jerusalem and they asked this question. Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. They saw a a star and they... And from their study of the stars, they believed that star was signaling the birth of the king of the Jews in David's line. So from the east, they were from the east, they saw his star in the east, they were from the east, probably Persia, what is modern day Iran in that area. And as we know from history, the Jews had a connection with the Persians in the... In the 5th century, when Nebuchadnezzar carried the Jews away into captivity, conquered the whole land, carried, tore down, burned Jerusalem, tore, took the Jews to Babylon, from Babylon came, came the Medes and the Persians. And then the Persians in that area, they had those young Jewish men rising up, raised, raised up to be liaisons between the government and the Jewish people. And one of those was Daniel, remember him? And Daniel lived a long time through all those kings of Nebuchadnezzar and, and Darius and and then uh, Cyrus, King Cyrus of Persia. And so from Daniel, these people had the connection with the Old Testament Scriptures because Daniel was a man who... Followed God. Remember, he had those dreams and he could interpret dreams. And God protected him. And God took care of him in the den of lions. And so Daniel had that connection. So the people of Persia had a connection with the Jewish, the Jewish people. The, so 400 years after Daniel, the Magi appeared in Jerusalem. In fact, it was a little bit longer than that with a caravan large enough to attract a lot of attention. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine being in Jerusalem? Excuse me. And you can you imagine being in Jerusalem and all of a sudden here comes this caravan and we think about these three men on camels, but it would not have been three men on camels. They would have an entourage with them. There would be a huge entourage Traveling from Persia, coming, representing uh, their government all the way into Jerusalem. And when they got to Jerusalem, I'm sure the air was filled with a buzz as people wanted to know about these three, about these visitors. And they were certainly from their dress, they knew they were from these from Persia. What was it that guided these men? Uh, a light. A star, a star leading them to the brightest light of all. Jesus, heaven's light, that amazing star that they followed. It was no ordinary natural phenomenon, but a special light, a special guide, which not only started the Magi on their journey, but kept guiding them all the way to Jesus uh, magi wise men uh, wise men we is a translation of that persian word magi so magi so for magi we get wise men so the 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 wise men or magi they're following this incredible light in the star in the sky and it's leading them all the way to Jesus verse 3 through 8 when herod the king heard this He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Why was he troubled? I mean, they had been praying for the coming Messiah for centuries. Why would he be troubled when he heard that the Messiah had been born? So so he said, "Where, where is he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born? I thought he was... I thought he was the king of the Jews and he didn't know where the Christ was to be born. So he assembled his chief priests and his scribes and all those people in his cabinet. And and they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And it had been about two years. And he sent sent them to Bethlehem and said, You go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Herod was just a liar. He was. True to form, Herod was troubled, at the thought of another king, even a small one. He had no intention of relinquishing his throne, not even to the long-awaited Messiah, the Son of God. He wanted to work all this to his advantage. So he tried to deceive the Magi into finding the child king for him. And the only advice he had was from those priests and scribes who read the prophecy of Micah, Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among thou, the thousands of Judah, just a little town, yet yeah, out of you shall come forth to me the one who, to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth from, or from of old, from everlasting. This was no ordinary king. And Herod knew that from the Scriptures. It didn't matter. Herod was great, he thought. He, was, he felt great about himself. And he believed he could even challenge God's will. This, this was the best old Herod could do. He was not a man of faith. He was a corrupt, self-serving political leader who hated everyone but himself. He had no room for God in his life. How dare God talk about taking his throne away? He had no light. He lived in the darkness of evil. Later on, he would murder. He would send his soldiers to murder who knows how many babies. Little children, little boys, two years old and younger. Murdered them. He had nothing good to offer. Folks, he could build some buildings, but he he was rotten to the core. These wise men came to Jerusalem where King Herod was on his throne. Asking, where is the one who is born King of the Jews? He's alive. We follow his star. They were seeking Jesus. They were seeking Jesus in the city of Israel's kings. You see, Jerusalem was the capital. Jerusalem was the capital of Israel, where David, King David, had built his palace and set his throne. And all those kings in David's line sat on the throne in Jerusalem. The wise men sought Jesus in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the rightful place for Him to rule. They would not have, in their wildest dream, in their wildest dreams, have thought to look for Jesus in Bethlehem. It was Jerusalem, the place where kings ruled. Jerusalem, the place where the temple stood, and people were supposed to love God and worship God and hear God. They went to Jerusalem because surely in Jerusalem they could tell us, tell them where the king was born. Yet these pagan magi had more faith in Jesus than all those people in Jerusalem. These faithful men followed the divine light for a thousand miles to find Jesus. And now they were very close, so close. And now after having followed that star for all those miles, that light would not abandon them. It was going to keep leading them. All the way to the Savior. And that's what heaven's light does. Heaven's light, read it with me. Heaven's light keeps shining to show us the path of God. Friends, God spoke to these wise men through the light of a star. And they followed that star. And as they followed that star, they remained in God's path for them. That's what the Scriptures do for us today. Listen, God put a star in the sky to direct their steps. But He has given us His Word. And through His Word, this Bible, we find life and direction and blessing. It's the Word of God that shines upon us to give us the knowledge of His will. You see, this book is God's love letter to you. And this year, I hope you'll allow God to speak to you through His Word. Make sure every day you have God's Word in your, in your life. You need to eat physical food every day, don't you? I mean, don't, what if you don't eat physical food? What if you go a whole day without eating physical food? You get kind of weak. What if you go a couple days? What if you tried to go six days without eating some physical food? Wouldn't you be kind of weak and sickly? Well, that's what happens to us spiritually when we fail to take God's Word into our lives every day. We need a little bit of it every day. Well, we probably need a lot of it, but just a little <laughs> will certainly help. Because this is God's love letter to you and to us. And God wants to tell us about life and the eternity and about himself and even about ourselves in this book. And that's what the, you know what the scriptures are to us? They're a light. They're a light. Isn't that what isn't that what the psalmist said about his word about God's word? Read read this next verse with me. Ready? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Who in here has ever found an answer from God in his word? Raise your hand. Oh, a lot of people have. And I have too. So if you're in a search today, and you're trying to find God's will for your life, it might be your future. You say, well, listen, what am I supposed to do in my future? You know, what am I supposed to do? Follow the light, okay? Let God speak to you. Seek Him. And God will direct your steps. You'll be reading the Word sometime. You'll be reading the Bible. And it'll just stand out to you. You know, some, the way God has spoken me through this Word... Sometimes it's been when I'm sitting there and listening to someone preach or maybe like I have a homecoming speaker and I'll sit where you are. Man, I'll have my Bible open because I'm ready to listen. Maybe I'm on the road and traveling and I'm hearing it on the radio and, and there's a, a, a preacher, you know, maybe it's on TV. I, like, I have certain preachers, I like David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, people like that. I, I, John MacArthur, I like a lot of, pre, a lot of preachers and I listen. And I say, what can they tell them? I like old preachers. I like the old preachers. I listen to some, some, some old preachers from a long time ago talk. I like Charles Spurgeon. I like to read. I like to do those things because I know God can speak to me through the Word as somebody else shares it. And then sometimes I've been taken, so it's important to come to church and listen. It's important to tune in like so many people are doing today. To listen to what God would say. It might be one thing God wants you to hear today. It might be something that you get that nobody else gets. But God has something for you because he, God makes His Word personal to us. And then, I've read the Bible before like this. I've done this and i said, Lord, give me a direction. Show me. Show me something. And I'll be reading the Bible, and I'll just start reading, and nothing's happening. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i reading. It's good stuff, but I mean, it's nothing standing out to me. And I've had God actually, <laughs> like, make a light come on on a verse of Scripture. I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, I don't know if He actually shone a beam of light down like a laser from heaven, or maybe it's just in my mind, but boom. It looked like a light was on. That's how I, when I surrendered to preach, it was that way, kneeling down and praying and saying, God, what am I supposed to do? And it was like a light came on, a verse of Scripture. And I said, that Scripture is just like jumping out at me. You see this Word, what does it say? Read it with me. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. And God wants it to be this way he designed it that way just because he loves you now what about all this other stuff we hear though because we're in an information age right and we have the world's knowledge at our fingertips when I was in high school and college I remember uh, you know when I was in high school learning how to write research papers and then I went on to college we had to use books and encyclopedias. Has anybody ever heard of an encyclopedia? You know what I'm saying? I mean, years ago, they used to have encyclopedia salesmen that would come around and sell it. you all remember that, some of you? And they'd sell those encyclopedias, and I mean, it'd cost a lot of money, but they were so important. And the, the libraries had encyclopedias. You know, when I was working on my, my first master's at UNCC in Charlotte, they had a library, I think it was nine stories tall. And I'd have to go in there and I would research and I'd get on the, the elevator and I'd go up to the floor and I'd go in. I'm telling you, I couldn't tell you how many volumes, what, 100,000 books? I guess, I don't know. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Nine floors of books, it was incredible. I've got to tell you, <laughs> today on this, I can pull up more information than is in that whole library. I can pull up information from all the libraries over the whole world. Information's everywhere, isn't it? But not all of it is true. There's a whole lot of it's false information. Friends, don't believe everything you read on the Internet or hear on the Internet. Don't believe everything you hear on the news channels. Today We have access to a lot of knowledge, but I'm afraid we're lacking in wisdom. So many people today are using knowledge they find that's leading them and others in the wrong direction. And many people are pulling up information to try to disprove God and discredit God. But God had something to say about that in this light right here. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and have done abominable iniquity. There is none who does good. And by the way, King David, a very wise man, wrote this. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is none. Who does good? No, not one. David said, The Lord God looks down upon men. Why would he say that? Because it doesn't matter if God's up there or God is here. Whenever God looks at man, He has to come down to look at man. Because men men are just specks in the universe. Now God loves us, He created us in His image, and we are His crowning achievement. But for God to communicate with us, and God to God has to stoop way low to come down to our level. The thing that made these men from the East wise was not the information they had, not their study of the stars. It was their pursuit of the Savior. They looked into the sky and they saw a light that shone the way to Jesus. And they followed it. We have a lot of fools today, folks. Fools like Herod who hated Jesus. And fools like the people in Jerusalem who had ignored Jesus. But friends, there are still some today, I believe, who are wise enough to look at the stars and nature and everything else And look at this book in the light of it and say, I believe. I believe. And they follow Jesus. Folks, you want to be wise? Follow Jesus. Seek Him in prayer. Seek Him in His Word. Seek Him in worship. And when we seek Him and follow His light, we'll find Him. Just like the wise men did. Verses 9 and 10. When they heard the king... They departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. God's path for the wise men was leading them to the place of worship. When they, start, when they came to Jerusalem, they said, We've seen His star in the east, and we have come to do what? What did, he, what did they say? We have come to do what? Worship Him. That's why they, let, that's why they traveled a thousand miles. To worship Him. You see? Imagine that. To worship Him. When they, God's light was leading them to worship Jesus. When they found Jesus. That little house where Mary, Joseph, and Jesus, the little boy Jesus. That little house became a temple of worship, glorious worship. These men had begun their journey finding and worshiping the Messiah, the Christ. They carried treasures with them all across the desert following that divine light that would lead them all the way to Jesus. And their commitment paid off. Verses 11 and 12. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Matthew said, the wise men found Jesus as a young child in a house in the little town of Bethlehem. Now, again, uh, the wise men, I'm sure, would never expect to find Jesus in Bethlehem. Their first stop was Jerusalem, the capital city, the place where David built his palace, the place where every king in David's line reigned, all that is except one. One little king never reigned, never ruled in Jerusalem. He was crucified there. He was buried there. But he never ruled on a throne in Jerusalem. But he will one day. Amen? He will one day. Perhaps it was a fitting place, though, for Jesus to be born. Because Bethlehem was the birthplace of King David. And Jesus was called the son of David. Bethlehem also means house of bread. Bethlehem means house, bread house. House of bread. When Jesus was born, he called himself the bread of life. So what the wise men found was, they found the bread of life in the house of bread. These men had followed a star, a divine light to Jerusalem in search of a new king to worship. When they got there, what they found was something that shone much brighter than that star in the sky. They found heaven's light. Verse 11 says, When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him and opened their treasures. Folks, listen. (laughs) You have to open your treasures to Jesus. If you're hanging on to it with a closed fist, he can't can't use it. You have to open yourself up, your life, your time, your effort, your talent, your gifts, your treasures. You have to open and give him those things, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Just think of how much it cost these men to find and worship Jesus. These men were not Jews, they were Persians. They had their own land. They they had their own beliefs. They left all to follow this light from heaven. Notice how that light led them to Jerusalem, where they asked the Jewish people, where is your newborn king? How tragic. Uh, I thought about this. How tragic that when they asked that question in Jerusalem, nobody could tell them. (laughs) Jerusalem! It was filled with Jews who had supposedly been praying for a Savior for centuries, but when He was born, they didn't even know it. It took foreigners traveling a thousand miles to announce to them that the Messiah had been born. And and actually, the Messiah had been born two years earlier. Just think about that. They still didn't know it. Well, I know you know. I know they didn't have television or cell phones or internet or social media, but what about the shepherds? They saw it. And remember what Luke told us in Luke 2? And the shepherds came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. The saying from the angels. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. I would have if somebody said a ban- the sky filled with angels, and they announced peace, God's peace and goodwill had come to earth in the birth of a baby. It, hey, I would have told everybody too. The shepherds told a lot of people. They made known widely the good news of Jesus. But when the wise men came two years later, no one in Jerusalem could tell them anything about it. I wonder how many people in our day could tell those wise men where to find Jesus. I mean, he's been around for over 2,000 years now. What if they, those wise men, came to your house? What if they came to your town and began to ask people on the streets, where is he? Where is Jesus? Jesus, the Savior. Is there anyone who could tell them? What if someone came across your path, you know, led by a divine light, and they ask you, where can I find Jesus? What would you say? What if you you had that, I, I like to say, a divine appointment, you know, and God had somehow led someone into your life so that you, a professed Christian, a professed man or woman of faith, could show them how to find Jesus and accept Jesus. Could you do that? Would you do that? You know, next month, we're going to start a journey together as a church called Pray So Grow. This has been a, a project I've been working on for... Several years. And on this 30-day journey, we're going to ask God to give us divine appointments to bring people into our lives every day that we might plant the seeds of the kingdom so that we might help them find the Savior. In Pray, So Grow, we're going to do exactly what the title says. We're going to pray for God to use us. We're going to sow seeds of the gospel in hopes that the Holy Spirit might take those things we do or say and bring a person to the place of faith in Jesus Christ. And it's going to take commitment. We're going to see God grow us, and we're going to see God grow His kingdom. If we, like the wise men, we'll just be committed to following Jesus. You know, there's nothing more important for us as believers than to help others... Believe. Now, I want you to. I know we're kind of sometimes our minds wander, but I want to say that again because I think it's really important. There is nothing more important for us as believers than to help others do what? Believe. Say, believe. Believe. There's nothing more important for you as a believer than to help someone else do what? Believe. You understand? We are surrounded by people like these Magi, who are searching for hope. This have you have you noticed the world is a desperate and dark place? Have you not, have you noticed how many people are in are sad and in despair, and their their uh, the, their lives are in turmoil? They don't know what to do. These people, these Magi, were searching for Jesus, folks. There, a star led them to Jesus. People are coming across our path. And God, we don't know what God's going to use to lead them across our path. It might be a circumstance or a tragedy. Or something they heard that would lead them to seek Jesus. We don't know the kind of light that God might use to bring someone into our lives so that we can help them on a spiritual journey. But what we must know, is how to help them find the Savior of the world, find Jesus. We must be like that star. We must be lights in our world. So many people today are lost, folks. Our world's in a state of religious and moral decline. I believe these are desperate days, and we could be the last generation before Jesus returns. I mean this. We could be, you, you today. Sitting here, watching. You could be the very last generation before Jesus returns. We could be the last generation to help people get into God's kingdom. You and I could really only have days left to help people around us get to heaven's light. In these final days, how many people will we encounter that need to hear the gospel truth from us? Just think. Just think of the story the wise men could tell when they left Bethlehem. Just think about that, or even from the whole journey. Just think of their journey. Think of their journey and their story. Folks, if you've received Jesus into your life, you have a story to tell. A story of how you journeyed and how you got to Jesus and how you received Him as your Savior. You have a story, and God wants to use that story. You have a story to tell of how God shined light upon you to help you find Jesus. And God wants you to be that light to help someone else. God may have used a person, a friend, a teacher, a pastor, a parent, or a circumstance, a tragedy, or some event. Whatever the star was that he used in your life, it got you to Jesus. And Jesus drew you to, him, to Himself, and He came into your life, and He transformed you with His light. Someone needs to hear that story from you. We need... You, listen, <laughs> I know. I, I could be born in God's purpose. I could have been born for one event in my life of telling my story to one person that they might get to heaven. And if my story... Helps one person get to heaven, then it's been worth all my effort, all my years, all my everything I have if I could just help one person get to heaven. Do you feel that way? Someone needs for you to be that light. And folks, let me tell you something we need some kingdom boldness in the church today. We need some people who will stand and speak for Jesus unashamedly. I was, I was just having some, a little bit of lunch the other day with my daughter. She got a new job. And my, I, I met her, and we were having a little lunch. And I heard a little couple over there with a little boy. And I was just sitting there, and they weren't there for but just a few minutes. But they were getting ready to leave. But I heard the little boy ask his mother, uh, Mama, why did Jesus have to? Why did Jesus die? And I heard her mother say, uh, shh, be quiet, honey. We, we'll talk about it later. And then, you know, they left. And I was just sitting there thinking, <laughs> Lord, if you just give me an open, and I'll talk to them. But they left, you know. And people, her mom said, and she wasn't being disrespectful to God. She was just saying, we'll talk about it later. Shh, you know. Folks, the world today is like telling you, shh, be quiet. Don't talk about that. That means we need to talk about it more. Amen. We need to talk about it more. We need some kingdom boldness. We need some stars. Stars of faith who will lead the way all the way to Jesus. The Apostle Paul asked, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. We all have a message. The good news is that Jesus came to save us. We're all preachers. We're all proclaimers. We're all sent with a great commission to tell our world what Jesus did for this world. This little Jesus whom the wise men worshipped and to whom they gave their treasures, that little Jesus would grow up to give back everything and die on the cross in agony. He died for those wise men. He died for those ignorant men in Jerusalem. And for King, wicked King Herod. And for Mary and Joseph and you and I and all the lost people in the world. That whosoever would believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's what we need to show our world and that's why we need to step up our praying and step up our sowing and step up our witnessing and step up our worshiping because if we stop, if we don't keep following the light and living the light and shining heaven's light, then our world is just going to get darker and darker and people we know in our Jerusalem are surely going to perish. And that's why we need to follow the light and be the light that leads all the way to Jesus. Amen? That's not very strong. We need to follow the light, and we need to be the light that leads to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, Bob Russell shared, I read this online, Bob Russell shared an interesting illustration about darkness and light several years back, a number of years back, actually, with the Southeast Christian Church in Louisville, Kentucky. And here's what he said. Every once in a while, we get a bird inside this sanctuary. He doesn't really want to be in here, but he's trapped. We don't want him in here because he can be messy and disruptive flying around in worship. Do you know how the facilities department gets a bird out of this huge room? They don't put out poison bird seed or take a shotgun to him. The goal is not to destroy him, but to release him. So the solution is simple. They turn out all the lights until it's pitch dark. And then they turn on a bright light on an exit hallway, and the bird instinctively flies to the light. Now, folks, I wish it were so easy with people. (laughs) Instead of flying to the light, a lot of people in the world, most of the world, I believe, flies away from the light. But that should not stop us from doing everything we can to show heaven's light to this world that's trapped in darkness, because somewhere, somehow, there's going to be someone, a little trapped bird, that's going to fly to your light if you show them the way. Read this verse with me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Bow with me. So my question to all of us here today is, are you living in the light or the darkness? And if you're having trouble answering that question, then let me just point you to your worship. The wise men who came to Jesus saw heaven's light, and it moved them to worship Jesus and to give They're treasures to Him. They were committed to that. What about you? Has heaven's light, Jesus, made a difference in your life? Are you really passionate about worshiping Jesus? Are you really giving Him what He deserves in your life? Or is there something this year you need to give more of? When the people around you watch you, And people do watch you, by the way. Just what do they see of Jesus in you? Is He visible or invisible in you? Maybe today you need His light to come inside of you and shine. Maybe you've never really given Him your life. And today's the day because He brought you here. He brought you to hear this message. And He's wanting to come into your life. And right now, you can invite Him to be your Savior. But you've got to mean it. You can't do it halfway. You have to be committed to Jesus. Would you say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead to save me. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I ask you to forgive me for leaving you out of my life. I ask you to come into my life and be my Savior. I ask you to bring your light to live in me. I ask you to shine through me, Jesus, so that everybody around me will know that you're living in my life. I want to follow you, Jesus, all the way to heaven. Help me give more of myself to you. Help me every day follow you, Jesus, so that somebody can see your light in me and they can get to heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for being my Savior. Boy, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, and you start living it, then Jesus is in your life and you're going to get to heaven one day and you're really going to shine but it's got to be real. Father I pray in the name of Jesus Lord that we'll shine brighter than we've ever shown. This church needs to shine. Lord this is a great church. This is a sweet, the sweetest church I know. I, I love this church. But God we've got to shine brighter. And I pray Father that this whole world is closing in around us. It's so dark. Even the community all around this church. Dark. Lost people. Unchurched people. God, if we, your people, not just Calvary, but church, but Christians everywhere, if they would just pray, so grow. If they would just seek you and they would plant seeds everywhere they go, every day trying to plant a seed in somebody's life, trying to help them find Jesus. Lord, if your Christians would just rise up in America and we would just sow seeds that can help people find life, if we would just do it, Lord, we could see a great harvest. God, would you do that for America? Let it start with us, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stay.